Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about IVF, infertility, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby. And we've both been trying for a baby for a really long time. And despite that, neither of us is currently pregnant. Hello, team. Hey, guys. How you doing? It's episode 14. Episode 14. Mm-hmm. Do I always sing it? Yeah. 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 That's nice. I think and everyone looks forward to it. I think we need a proper jingle. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, oh no. No. <laughs> Who knows what we'd come up with? <laughs> We're not Adam fun. Buxton. <laughs> um, How is everyone? Yeah, it's been it's been Fertility Week. It has. Yeah, yeah. What did you do it's to celebrate? Well, well, I went to fertility show. Yeah, you did. You lucky did. duck. Yeah, on my Todd. It's like um, a fertility fun fair. Yes, it is. So exactly here. like that, but without any roller coasters. Well, Except just the, the emotion. emotional roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> and the waltzer. And uh, yeah, it was good. We went over to Olympia. Cool. Uh, which That's is my neck of the woods. Big old space. Yes. Yeah. You know, I love coming over here. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really good. I went, um, I went for a couple of hours uh, specifically to see friend of the podcast Hannah Vaughan Jones who has been very active during fertility incredibly week. so yeah she must be so tired if you don't know who we're talking about check out episode nine exactly or any tv channel last week yeah exactly <laughs> she's everywhere or the daily mail <laughs> um legit um, celeb yeah absolutely um so she was continuing her celebdom by appearing on a panel with Izzy Judd who is author of Dare to Dream cool uh Lisa Faulkner actress and uh, celebrity doctor, Dr. Zoe Williams. Cool. I didn't actually look at any, like, many of the actual stalls. Oh. There was a lot of content going on. That's where I was at. But, but mate, your solution to your, all your pregnancy issues could have been there. I know, I know. It. I just, yeah, exactly. Waltz right past it. Next time. I know. So we'll go next time. It is actually a good thing to do, I think. Instagram was blowing up. Yeah, it was fun. I think it could be a bit bamboozling for people, to be honest, because there's so many stands and, you know, everyone's selling something. Yeah. So if you went in there without any experience, not knowing what your plan was, I think you'd probably come away a bit like, woof. Yeah, a bit much. Okay. Um, And also this episode... We spoke to the lovely Professor Gita Nagand, yes, who is the founder of Create Fertility, which loads of you you will have heard of, if not are patients of. Yeah, she's um, um, she's quite an outspoken activist on the IVF yeah. um, circuit, I would say. I think we both came away feeling quite inspired, didn't we? Definitely, yeah. I really liked her. I re- I was thought everything that she said was really interesting and um, yeah she was just very warm as well she, she gave was. us both a big embrace at the end yeah she did <laughs> so during the week um, a thing came out on the BBC mm. and it was um, a doctor at Create Fertility in Bristol being filmed kind of giving scary statistics about OHSS which is ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome which sometimes happens if um, you kind of over well overstimulate your ovaries. Using... Yeah, it happens after egg collection sometimes, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Um, sometimes before. Oh right, okay, there we go. Um, so we just wanted to kind of address that because you know, obviously, it's worth having all the facts. Yeah, I uh, think um, so. Geeta does talk about the risks of IVF. Yeah, because obviously she practices a mild type of IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the kind of thinking that she works towards but I suspect this guy was he went a bit rogue um because she does talk about the risks but not in the way that he was recorded talking about them so um yeah we looked up some of the stats and 
There hasn't been an OHSS death since 2006. In the UK, that is. In the UK. And that is according to the Office for National Statistics, which is the government statistics authority. And um, they say that one in three kind of have mild OHSS. Yeah, so this was um, a report, and I I should point out that it is done in Comic Sans. (laughs) How serious is this piece of research? (laughs) But it is from the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists. Um, And it says that about a third of people who go through IVF um, will develop OHSS. Um, About 1 in 20 will develop moderate to severe OHSS. So that's the numbers that you want to be thinking about when you're doing this and when you're thinking about the risks. Yeah. Um, So we just thought it was worth everybody knowing. Exactly. Address that at the top. And um, yeah, yeah. but hopefully you'll enjoy the chat. Um, We both obviously found it quite inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And then you spoke to Professor Tim. I did. And you spoke to him about... I spoke to Professor Tim, medical director at Oxford Fertility, about everyone's favourite sperm-friendly lube. Sexy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got some on my bedside table. Have you? I've probably got some, like, a really horrible old crusty tube in a drawer <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> if it wasn't gross enough. <laughs> I don't use that anymore. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we thought we'd ask him whether there is any point and whether it does actually help. Yeah. So, so, yeah, we can find out later on in the episode. Mm-hmm. what he had to say okay um other than that please enjoy yes guys speak to you soon bye bye emma how have you been um i have been in limbo oh limbo limbo i am now on day i want to say 36 of my cycle there is no sign of my period it's a long old cycle i'm so bored of waiting i know I know everybody who's been through anything like this knows that waiting is the worst part, but... Mm. (sighs) And so what will happen when your period does arrive? Then I'm going to take industrial quantities of oestrogen and go mental. Mm. But until then, I'm going to be sitting around just like basically looking in my pants every time I go to the loo, like just hoping something comes along. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday my boobs hurt a little bit and I I haven't felt excitement quite like it for a long time. <laughs> Ooh. It's su- don't you think though this is just such a weird situation like you spend half your life really hoping for your period not to come and you spend half your life hoping your period will come. Mm. And either way you are just wishing away time constantly. Yeah. And just like second guessing your body all the time yeah was that well yeah. the loo and oh was that what i uh, think it is well i hope not that's not what i think it is i remember when i was first trying to trying for a baby like in those innocent beautiful days oh, when you thought God. it might happen and i remember like googling the weirdest things like hand hurts sign of pregnancy oh yeah earache sign of pregnancy yeah i had lockjaw for a while uh, and i was convinced that was a sign of pregnancy and Somewhere on the internet, there's a forum post that says it is. Yeah, yeah. Someone will tell you what you want to hear. It's if just you search insane. long enough, you'll get it. And then you're just like, "Oh, I'm, I'm pregnant. That's great." Have you been googling? Uh, I got pregnant despite having both of my tubes blocked. Oh, I like a hundred thousand times. Yeah. And th- and there are people out there who claim that that is true. I don't believe it. There was like a Daily Mail article last week or a couple of weeks ago that had. Um, it's a miracle device that looked frankly terrifying Mm. that's supposed to like squirt sperm somehow further into your womb than a penis which is biologically designed to do that can and it's supposed to there was some article that was like I had blocked tubes and still got pregnant because of this one device but if you read the article it's actually she only had one blocked tube yeah yeah that really annoyed me yeah so I just like, and the thing is that when you're waiting and lying around and waking up in the middle of the night thinking about it, you start going down that rabbit hole again mm. where you're like, maybe I am pregnant. Like, mm. I know physically I can't do it, but that didn't stop like Mary. No, that's true. Like, that's coming into that season. Yeah. I must mean, have happened to her around Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those cold winter nights. <laughs> Um, what's what does where does your brain go to first when you think you might be pregnant? Mine goes to baby names. Um, mine goes to telling people. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. The announcement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How are we like, gonna do it? How nice it'll be because obviously, like the way we're doing it, and um, because everybody that I know knows, and because I'm literally broadcasting about it, um, there's there's gonna be no surprising anyone. No. And if say I were to get pregnant and then have a miscarriage, it would be very public. Yes. Like my colleagues would know about it. Mm. Um, which is like important, and I'm glad that I'm doing it, and I'm glad we're talking about it. But also, like, I'm never going to surprise anybody. No, no, neither am I, I suspect. Yeah, which is kind of sad. Uh, it is sad, but then we're gaining so much more. Yeah. and Because, it, you know. I mean, what's sadder? Not ever surprising anybody or not ever having a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, all right. That sounds a bit sucky. Well, yeah. But anyway... um. I also realised that my... I always thought my cycles were fairly regular. They're not. Mm. Um, and I think we talked about this last week, but they are insane. Like, some are 45, some are 29. Difficult oh God, to tell what it is. So I started taking this stuff called Inositol. Now, this is a supplement for which there's not an awful lot of evidence. We nice said last week nice we, would ad- <laughs> we would address these things. <laughs> I like that. Um, some people who have so Kate Davis who was on the podcast kind of sung its praises mm, okay. um, a couple of people messaged me and sung its praises right i.e I would not be pregnant without it oh wow kind okay. of vibes right um again not much evidence for it could be a placebo effect could be coincidence don't know but I'm just gonna not take my chances and um, what, what's it supposed to do so it's derived from and I'm gonna get this very wrong but something to do with like fruit rinds and skins Mm. um it's that's as much as i know but it helps it's designed to help people with polycystic ovaries right um regulate their cycles and ovulate and the claim made in the like leaflet that comes in the box is that 20 percent of people ovulated every month before it 70 percent of people ovulate after three months on it again i cannot vouch for those claims i cannot emphasize how important that is to say (laughs) but um i'm willing to try anything yeah okay and i think it's fairly safe like i don't i I, because it's kind of naturalish yeah it sounds like i mean fruit rinds yeah i don't think it's the worst it's not gonna hurt anyone is it um so yeah so i've started taking that um and then the other thing i did this week was watch private life oh yes which is that netflix movie Mm -hmm. um very realistic rendering of what it's like to go through IVF. Mm. Although I don't think there was enough sitting around waiting. <laughs> Should have just had an hour of yeah. just feet tapping boredom. Yeah. My husband got really annoyed with it and kept walking out. Really? Yeah, he was like, oh, I just don't know who this is made for. You, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, his, so his, and that was a bad accent, I'm usually better at that. But his kind of argument was like people who are going through IVF don't want to watch that because it's really depressing. Just like the entire movie is just them looking quite sad. Yeah. Um, and people who aren't going through IVF don't really care. Um, I would suggest, well, you know, don't they always say it's quite nice to see your experience reflected in content on television? Yeah. Um, so that, you know, is kind of for the IVF community in a way. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, um, it is two hours long, which is quite long. Do you, did you twig the argument where I had said that I could imagine myself saying what she said in the argument. That's a bit cryptic. Which... When they... um, When someone suggests that they use a donor egg and they leave the clinic and she freaks out. Yeah. She was, like, saying things that I was like, I would totally say that. Yeah, I know. It was funny watching that because, obviously, I've got embryos, so I'm very lucky Mm. if they ever get put in me. But... um, I guess it's the reverse of like what I might have to deal with one day, which is I might have to put my eggs in someone else, my embryos. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's quite. It was a good movie, and it's it is nice to see. Like it did immediately make me want to text all my friends and be like, "You should watch this, guys." And yeah. then I was like, "I'm not going to make them watch that." Oh like, yeah, I suppose it would be good for people to know what you're going through, though. I suppose yeah. even more. Than... There's another. Um, movie on netflix which is a documentary called vegas baby oh yeah and um when we first did ivf like i had been reading loads about it but everyone in around me including john including my mum were all like it's gonna work don't worry about it Mm. and i was like trying to get them to be realistic so that you know 
like I just wanted everybody to be realistic about this Fair stop enough. telling me it's gonna fucking work um and and then I heard about Vegas baby and I made them I made like loads of people watch it and I haven't watched it but John was saying last night like that was a really good film he was oh. like I think you should watch it now well maybe we should both watch it and then yeah we can chat about it yeah absolutely I haven't ah. well well sounds like uh it's been a long long couple of days for Emma it has been uh Gabs how are you I uh, yeah I'm good I'm very good um I've just had quite a nice chilled weekend cool um doing what well, we, you and I went for some wine on Friday, which yeah, was we nice. Yeah, we did. That was nice. I did enjoy that We did non-podcasting activities. We did, but then, you know, Mr. Gabby came along and we just just sit there and talk about podcast <laughs> ideas for a couple of hours. <laughs> which was fun. It was delightful. It was delightful. Um, nice to see you without a microphone in between yeah, us. Yeah, and nice to hang out with you and Mr. Gabs. Oh, indeed. Uh, and, yeah, didn't do too much on Saturday crucially didn't drink anything uh-huh yeah well done straight well done. edge nice um and then yesterday i went to see my friend who uh gave birth to a little girl at the end of august Aww. yeah i haven't been to see her yet um not because i didn't want to just because she lives an hour and a half away okay Fair. and uh so yeah so i woke up and I, I was like okay i'm going to see her this afternoon Ooh, i've got an opportunity to go and buy some presents Aww. yeah yeah i kind of i'm sure that i'm not the only one but i just love baby clothes tiny clothes oh, they're just so adorable so and i'm like oh i would just be oh such good taste in baby clothes oh if i do God. say so myself i would just buy so much stuff oh man um and so but she's got another daughter who's turning three next week so it was a double whammy of like oh you've got a new baby here's a present oh and uh she's turning three here's another present um and so i went to a place called gently elephant elephant which is in Broccoli, where I live. And uh, it is expensive. <laughs> uh, I've realised it's not a place where mothers go to buy their children clothes. It's where childless aunties go to exactly. buy them. Exactly, <laughs> it's their childless best friends go and spend extortionate <laughs> amounts of money because they haven't got any kids. Yeah. So yeah, I came out and I was like, oh my lord, that was expensive. Oh my god! But um, but it was satisfying. Oh, so satisfying. Did they wrap them beautifully? They did. Oh, of they, did. they did. And they yeah. oh, they were just they were really good. It was like unisex um clothes because you know like, that's how I would dress my children. Yeah, of course, yeah. Almost yeah. certainly not. Yeah. Um, Little packs. Yes, exactly. And rainbow. <laughs> um so yeah i really enjoyed it and my, i dragged my husband in and he was like you are loving this because <laughs> uh, obviously he doesn't let me in there normally because that would be weird yeah uh and probably a bit depressing for me so yeah, it was I nice to it... have an opportunity to go and oh. uh yeah oh. Oh. um but i did say to her when i gave them to her i was like look if these are still going when i finally procreate can i have them back <laughs> and she was like yes absolutely <laughs> um there are people who go and buy baby clothes like while they're doing IVF and while they're trying yeah I'm I couldn't do it personally. no I wouldn't do it now no um at this point I did when I first started trying I saw the coat of my dreams for a baby and I was like oh you know, I'm just gonna buy it did you it was oh it was so it was just, did you buy it no yeah. thank god because it I, would just be sitting under my bed yeah. getting dusty I knitted a lot of stuff and mm. um, when I first started trying for a baby and I've now given all of it away except one little cardi. Yeah. Because I just can't, no. I couldn't deal with having it there. And then every now and then I'd open a trunk that I've got mm. and I'd see like the little blanket there and I'd be like, oh, so I just sad. gave it away. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I just, I'm not a superstitious person, mm. but I would feel like I was jinxing it. Yeah, so kind of similarly, my mother uh, went on a, a cardigan knitting binge um, and she built up quite a large trunk of, of cardigans and she too had, has started giving them away because she's like, it's you know, she just feels like it's a bad omen. Yeah. So loads of people in Cork, in Ireland, in my mum's village have got these really beautiful cardigans <laughs> that were destined for my child. <laughs> That's so sad. Every time you see one of them, single tear know, will just fall so from your jealous. eye. I'm like that was meant for me. <laughs> um, but I, you know, rest assured, I'm sure I will get plenty when the time comes. Yeah. Well, we're all going to be knitting stuff. Oh god, I need to learn to knit. I can't knit. 
The, the best thing about um, being infertile, because it's so wonderful, is that by the time we have babies, all our friends' kids will have like grown out of all their clothes. Yeah. So we're just going to have free kid clothes. Oh yeah, totally. And my friends have really great taste in clothes. Yeah, that's good. And their kids always look great. So Oh, there we go. Yeah. So I'm definitely getting those clothes that I gave to my, one of my yeah, best yeah, friends exactly. yesterday. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's coming back to me. Um, what else has been going on? Oh, I started reading uh, a new book called 336 Hours okay. by Rachel Cathan. And what is 336 Hours? It is about the two-week wait, basically. Ah, I see. Yeah, that's the play on the two-week yeah. wait. Um, and it's good. I'm really enjoying it. It's, yeah. uh, she doesn't shy away from the kind of darkness that you kind of, the, the, the places your brain goes. Okay. She, I think she, basically she kept a diary during her two-week wait and then turned it into a book. So it's all quite honest and cool. raw. Wow. Yeah. It's good. It's really well written. It's really nice. Okay. And I, I stalked her on Instagram and she now has a child. So yeah, sweet. She's, she's had a good life. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, what else? I think that's it. We've had we've had like quite a um, fertility free week, really, haven't we? Like yeah. neither of us have been. I haven't been to my clinic once. Oh wow! I know. I know. Yeah, I haven't really been thinking about it. Yeah. Well, we're going to um, Ramsey next this week, the end of this week. So that's kind of what we're moving towards. Oh yeah, Jonathan Ramsey. Yeah. The urologist. The end of this the week. The wee doctor. Yeah. Shit. I know. That's really scary. It is. What that's are you going to ask him? Uh, can can you... you make my husband's balls work, please? Do you ever, whenever I go to a fertility clinic or anything like that, I always feel faintly cheated afterwards because I haven't come out with a baby. Mm. I'm always like, can they not just give me one? Come like, there on. must be an unwanted one downstairs. Do something. Yeah. 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 I don't know what we're going to ask him. Probably get, I'll think of loads of questions and then go in there and once again just uh, forget them all. Write them down, mate. I know. I know. There's just something about being in, in the room at the time that you just, yeah. my brain just goes, meh. Write them down um, and record it. Ask first. Ask first. Because um, you're paying a lot of money for him and you should be able to go back over Yeah, that. and he's used to us recording him, so you shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't bother him too <laughs> yeah. much. <laughs> well, cool. Looking forward to uh, knowing how that goes. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, otherwise, that's it, guys. That's me. Hello. Just as a free warning to our interview with Professor Gita Nagant, which is coming up in two seconds, uh, we did the interview in her clinic in just near St Paul's. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a Friday night. Mm-hmm. Everybody was having a good time. Oh yeah, classes were clinking. Yeah, everyone was drinking. The aircon unit was going, and people were getting text messages. Yeah, so it, it sounds a bit echoey, and there's some people having fun in the background. Um, You'll get used to it. Yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah, I think yeah. it's fine too. Enjoy. Bye. Okay, so I guess, you know, the thing that you're quite well known for is natural and mild IVF. What do you mean by that? Yeah, look, first of all, um, the first is to baby, Louise Brown, who is 40 years old now this year, was born with natural IVF. Ah. Okay. <laughs> there were no drugs given to her mum. Uh, and her mum's naturally selected egg was collected and fertilized with a dad's sperm and there was Louis Brown. So first of all, natural IVF is not new. Natural IVF is how IVF began. Right. But then we, I suppose we went into taking, uh, using drugs in order to have more eggs and more embryos because it was felt that um, uh, natural IVF wasn't all that efficient. Uh, because with the pure natural IVF, clearly there is a risk that women can ovulate and release the egg. So that's how it happened. So um, what I mean by natural IVF, natural IVF is where you give um, no stimulation drugs to the woman and you monitor um, her naturally selected follicle, that the follicle that is growing naturally in her ovary, um, and you do ultrasound scans, maybe blood tests, to check for for its maturity and in our at uh, create we check the blood flow to the follicle as well mm. to assess the health of the follicle or the egg um, and then you collect that um, and fertilize and create an embryo so that is natural IVF but then there is for because na- in natural IVF we are not controlling ovulation women can ovulate before we can collect the egg so that can be very disappointing and the cycle can get cancelled 
because of that. Um, so what um, happened was um, something called natural modified IVF was developed. A natural modified IVF is a form of a natural IVF, but women do receive some drugs in this cycle. It's aimed for, again, a naturally selected follicle, but women receive um, some stimulation hormone combined with ovulation blocking hormone later in the cycle, not like a stimulated cycle, early in the cycle, for a few days to sustain the growth of the naturally selected follicle and to prevent that spontaneous ovulation so that we collect egg. There's a higher chance of collecting egg. Sometimes you can get more than one egg in natural modified cycle. So that is um, that makes the whole natural cycle IVF more successful because um, we prevent spontaneous ovulation mm. and there's a higher chance that we collect the egg and also we keep the follicle healthy. And then mild stimulation IVF really was um, kind of coined about 10, 11 years ago, that whole term. It's about achieving a mild response. So the aim of mild IVF is to achieve a mild response from ovaries, which means you're not aiming for a very high number of eggs. You're aiming for anywhere between two to nine eggs. Some people call say two to 10 eggs. But the aim is quality and not quantity. So it is about collecting fewer eggs but higher quality eggs and adjust the dose accordingly in order to achieve that mild response. So the concept of mild IVF is actually quality and not quantity. Therefore, you collect eggs that are, of, the eggs that are healthier mm. to, in order to create healthier embryos and also try and keep the lining of the uterus as healthy as possible. Once again, I forgot to say, of course, in natural and natural modified IVF, the, the lining of the uterus tends to be healthier as well because it's not exposed to high doses of stimulation, okay? And here in mild IVF, that is the aim as well. So the, the concept of mild IVF is about the aim rather than the actual dosage, mm. okay? So the dosage can vary from time to time to achieve the mild response. So the studies have shown that if you use lower amount in a mild IVF, aiming at collecting lower, uh, fewer eggs but higher quality eggs, then you are aiming to create healthier babies and also you protect the health of the woman because you reduce the risk of ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, which is you probably know can be a very serious condition in its severe form. Mm. Okay, in severe form of ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, which is actually only about two to five percent of the time women having ovarian stimula stimulation can have that risk, but it can be um, serious and women can end up in hospital and it can be potentially fatal. So I think we have to make every effort to reduce the risk of ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. That's something mild IVF can achieve. Who are the, what conditions are, is mild IVF best for? Because we had an interviewee on a couple of weeks ago who had um, really had trouble with conventional protocols. She had low AMH. Mm -hmm. um, and then she eventually went on to a very mild protocol and ended up with twins. Yeah. Yeah. A lovely story, actually. Um, so uh, well, let me complete the definition of conventional IVF because conventional IVF by definition is where you suppress a woman's hormones, which is called long protocol, mm. for around two weeks with hormones followed by generally higher dosages of uh, stimulation. The, the key... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Differences commercial IVF is aimed at maximizing the egg number. Okay? So um, that is the key difference, which is why there is a higher risk of ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome in these women compared to mild IVF. So natural IVF is of course suitable for women who want to avoid drugs. You know, women can choose to avoid drugs. And I know of some countries, like Japan and Scandinavia particularly, where women actually have said, no, I actually release an egg in my cycle. Why don't you collect my egg that I naturally release? Why do I have to take drugs? So women can make a conscious decision of avoiding more drugs or avoiding any drugs if if they if they wish to pursue that option then of course women who don't want any risks of drugs and also women who have a family history of estrogen dependent cancer like breast cancer ovarian cancer or cancer of the uterus who feel that they don't want to increase the risks of um, um increasing estrogen levels and so they can avoid drugs women with conditions like malignant melanoma and also women with in severe endometriosis where um, increasing estrogen levels is not going to be helpful um, so they can avoid drugs or higher amount of drugs. So there are a number of reasons why women may want to avoid using drugs or a high amount of drugs. But natural IVF or natural modified IVF has come out to be um, an option, particularly in women with low egg reserve, um, older women, and women who have had previous failed implantation as well. So because women who have very low egg reserve, they they haven't got many follicles, and they're ovarian blood circulation tends to be compromised as well. So if you give them higher stimulation, their ovaries are not going to produce more eggs because there aren't many. But the quality of each egg you collect can be compromised with higher dosages of drugs. And therefore, in these women who have low AMH, who have low follicle count, in other words, who have low egg reserve, can benefit from natural selection or lower dosages of drugs. In other words, giving them medication that is predominantly encouraging natural selection, um, which can give healthier eggs. And a number of studies have shown that natural IVF can be more successful. I'm talking that includes natural modified, Mm. in fact, in women with low egg reserve compared to high stimulation IVF. And you know what, as a rule in medicine, we don't give drugs to people unless there's real need. Except in IVF. Mm. Except in IVF. And you know what, we don't give all sorts of different dosages of drugs to people. If you go from one doctor to the other doctor, you go from hospital to hospital, Mm you have a particular medical condition, you need insulin or you need something, you're more or less given the same dose everywhere. Except in IVF, the dosages can vary. 
And I think it's very important that we address that. Mm. So the answer to your question is in these women with low egg reserve, natural and natural modified IVF can really have benefits. And so do you do predominantly fresh transfers or do you also freeze embryos? Yeah, we, have a, we give women the choice. Okay. Of course, they can have a fresh embryo if they want. But in women where there's a really very low egg reserve, where the time, time is running out, um, a lot of women, we found that having this three-cycle package that we use where we collect the egg, we fertilize, we freeze, we collect, we fertilize, we freeze, women have benefited from it because not only that the three-cycle package has cumulatively given them higher success rate, but also several women have had frozen embryos saved up from that time because some of them have had a second baby from that lot because, you know, if they come back a year or 18 months later, their egg reserve might have further been compromised. So you can actually collect and save from that time. So it's benefited from that end. And also the cost of having a package is a lot less than having a single cycle. So we give women an option. Some women take just one option, uh, which is just having a single embryo, you know, one fresh embryo transfer, and several women take up the option of a three-cycle package. So you run, um, you run Create Fertility, but you also run ABC IVF. Yes. Um, and that is even lower cost. Talk me through the kind of the thinking behind it. Um, ABC IVF has, is more or less our social commitment to um, help people um, who can't get NHS IVF and who can't afford expensive private IVF. And we actually made a conscious decision several years ago, and we have worked at it for a very long time, nearly a decade, in making this happen. Okay, so ABC IVF at the moment is £2,500 all-inclusive. If they are having ICSI or any additional procedures, then we, they may have to pay extra, but they will have to pay extra, in fact. So for a basic IVF package, it includes everything. It includes blood tests, it includes drugs, it includes absolutely everything, which I think is a brilliant offer. Okay. And you know what? I mean, this, this, is, this is our commitment to make it accessible <clears throat> to more people. And we have achieved that, and I'm very proud of that. We have excellent staff at ABC who take really good care of patients. And those women and couples who have come to ABC, honestly, the letters they write, you know, without you, I wouldn't have had this chance. Without you, I wouldn't have had this baby. Mm. Because we have had babies born from ABC IVF. We have an excellent ongoing success rate with ABC IVF. So it's not that there is any compromise in success Mm. rate. But we have given these women and couples who would have otherwise not had a chance because um, the price is a lot higher. But how, how are you able to keep the price so low? Yeah, we, we came up with this formula of simplified pathway. So we have tightened the pathway in ABC and um, uh, it's running very efficiently. You know, increasing efficiency, simplifying pathways um, can give you that ability to achieve an affordable mo- a model that's economically making affordable for people. Mm. So that's, that was our ambition to help. It's, it's, it's an ambition to achieve equality and fairness in access to IVF, and that is the basis for ABC IVF. Yeah, you, you talk about women that perhaps don't have access to NHS-funded mm. IVF, um, I mean, we're, we're incredibly grateful to have that, the access that we do. What, what are your thoughts on the kind of the postcode lottery that's involved with, with NHS funding? Yeah, I'm absolutely outraged. I think it's the postcode lottery is unjust, unfair and unacceptable. You know, one of the founding principles of our National Health Service, which is a great institution, is to to have this equality and fairness 
um, when it comes to access to treatment. And that is not followed in this. How is that fair that you live in one area, you get IVF treatment on the NHS? In, some, in another area, you get one cycle, and you go to Scotland, you get three cycles. I mean, it's just not fair. And, and I just think we have got to address that. And we are addressing that at a national level, but it's taking time. And, you know, that's the first thing the clinical commissioning groups are cutting when they are looking at their budgets. And, you know, it's, it's, it's wrong and it's sort of short-sighted. And I will tell you why. Creating children and helping people to have families has a long-term economic interest. It's necessary for the long-term prosperity of the nation. Who is going to pay for pensions? Okay? And there are a number of things, other things I can tell you on a social level or economic level, why it is important for us to create families and help people to have children. And the UN data, population data, shows that the Europe's population is going to decline by 2050. We can't just rely on immigration to increase our population. We really have to... Hmm? Especially not after Brexit. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And also, you know, we need to, according to me, we need to be radical in our thinking and create a department in our government which actually facilitates the creation of families. Because at the moment, what happens is the NHS says, oh, well, we have got other priorities on the Department of Health. So we have, and you know, the other thing is it's an equality issue for women. It is, it, there's a gender equality issue as well here. So if you look at women and equalities, families, the economic benefits for the nation directly to Treasury, and if we are looking at the health benefits, because infertility is a disease, there are serious consequences if we don't help people. So we really need to be radical in thinking to help with this funding. Um, I mean, just to completely change the subject yeah. slightly, um, when you, you know, you get patients coming in here mm. and you speak to them and they, they want to do the best they can to mm. kind of prepare themselves for going through IVF. Mm. What's your advice for like, getting your body and your mind ready? Because yeah. it's such an emotionally traumatic thing. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I always say, in IVF, it's about quality. That's why this whole natural and mild IVF concept is about quality. You know, you need one egg, but it's good quality. You need one sperm that's of good quality to create one embryo, which is of good quality. You don't need more numbers to create a baby. And you need a healthy lining of the womb and a healthy mother to put the embryo back into. Of course, we need a healthy man. And I'll come to that because it's not just about the woman, it's about the man as well. We don't talk enough about men's health Mm. and their fertility and the biological clock for the man. And we do need to start talking about that. I haven't heard of the biological clock for the man. Yeah, I'll tell you. So the, the, the thing is, we talk about women's biological clock because we know the the sharp decline in fertility after the age of 35. And also that for women, the fertility fertility stops, you know, when they get to menopause. Whereas in men, fertility doesn't stop, but declines. And there is also a decline in fertility with men's age. That's well known. And also what we also know, men's life, you know, the lifestyle effects are there. But as men get older, there is a reduction in sperm quantity and quality. And what we also now know that men who are older than 45, they have an increased, you know, the paternal age or the age of the sperm is linked to increased mental health disorders in the children. In the children. So particularly after the age of 45, um, there is an increase in um, children being, you know, having autism, ADHD and other mental health disorders. So we really need to talk about that so that men are aware of it, we increase awareness, we also help them to optimize their general and reproductive health. So if we come back to women, there are a number of things women can do to help themselves to natural conception or to get the best outcomes in 
um, assisted conception. Optimize their body weight. Being underweight and being overweight, they both have negative influence on outcomes. Okay. Um, do not smoke. Reduce your alcohol intake. Reduce your stress levels. Take folic acid. Maybe even take vitamin D. Um, and I think also check your thyroid function because underactive thyroid is linked to outcomes. So I would actually ask women to get their thyroid hormones checked. Okay, and then... And you can do that, you can ask your GP to yes. do that? Or? You can ask your GP to do that, to get the thyroid stimulating hormone checked and address that with your fertility consultant. Um, so there are, there are a number of things women can do. Similarly, men need to optimize their lifestyle, stop smoking, reduce alcohol intake, reduce stress levels, um, a number of things about men as well. And also for men and women to check if they are taking any medication, whether that has got any adverse effect on fertility, or for women, if it has got any negative effect in pregnancy, if they have any existing medical conditions to get them also optimized, controlled before trying IVF. So, you know, health outcomes of fertility treatment are very important. It's not just about getting a pregnancy and getting a baby. I feel very passionate about that. That to me, success is about a healthy woman, healthy mother and healthy baby. In the long term, we need to protect their health. It'd be good to just understand how you ended up getting into mild uh, natural IVF in the beginning. Yeah, okay. Um, first of all, this whole IVF thing is of great, was of great interest to me. I was actually a medical student in India when the first IVF baby, Louis Brown, was born, and I was fascinated by that. And when I did my training after I came here and also um, in Ireland, I was fascinated by that, and then... I was very fortunate to be with some really good teachers um, who helped me through this and um, took me on for training and all that. Um, I have always been a campaigner, if I could put it that way, for women's choices, women's rights, and women's health. Um, always been, even when I was in India as a college student and and all that. So that's something that I have always done, mm -hmm. okay? And as part of that, when I got into IVF and I realized that women can suffer from risks and particularly with ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, and when I was actually a junior doctor, I was told about a very young woman who had died with ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, um, and that it kind of hit me, and I just felt this cannot happen. Um, and we've got to reduce risk for women. You know, we're trying to create lives and we can't take away lives. And we've got mm -hmm. to protect women's health. Men don't suffer infertility treatment. And also, women undergo IVF even when it's a man's problem. Okay, a woman nowadays, 50% of IVF is done when there isn't any female problem at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if a partner has a sperm problem and if you need ICSI, which is intracytoplasmic sperm injection, and now, of course, we have a lot of single women, same-sex couples. We are, it's great that we're helping everybody to have, create families. They, are, they have no fertility problem. They need our help. So why should healthy women suffer and be made ill in fertility treatment if we can avoid that? So that was really... I mean, this is my ca real commitment to women. It's not just about treatment. It's to, to protect women's health, women's comfort during fertility journey. And as part of fertility journey, they, for, uh, after fertility treatment, they should not go home with any health problems or suffer from any long-term health problems. To me, that is so important that we achieve that, and it can be achieved. It can be achieved um, by avoiding ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. It can be achieved by making their IVF journey as comfortable, as safe as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to debate with my colleagues about taking injections every day for like 
four weeks in a long protocol as opposed to for nine days or something in a in an IVF mild protocol and a lot of people used to say oh but women don't mind having these injections every day yeah, we, huh? love it. we love it they can <laughs> experience. yeah I mean how can you say that <laughs> That's mad. how can you say that women don't mind of course women wouldn't want to be having these injections if they can avoid and we now know that you can even give tablets in many situations and very few injections if necessary mm. you can give very low dosages of tablets or injections or you can give them for a shorter period of time because at the end of the day what you want to achieve is quality not quantity And therefore, for me, it is an ongoing campaign. And as part of that, now I'm supporting a parliamentary bill, which is taken forward. Yeah, so we wanted to talk about this. Okay, thank you. Thank you you so much. Yeah, Um, MP Siobhan McDonough, who is an MP for Mitcham and Morden in South London, um, Mm. has proposed a private member's bill, uh, which is going for its second reading on the 23rd of November, okay? It is to amend the Human Fertilization Embryology Act to include the welfare of women, because at the moment only the welfare of child is included in the Act. But, of course, the welfare of the woman should be included, don't you think so? Yeah, so it means what we want to achieve as part of this is more attention to protecting the health and welfare of women before, during and after IVF treatment. And what we would like to do is for our regulator, Human Fertilization Embryology Authority, to collect information about all the drugs and dosages given to women during IVF treatment because at the moment it's not being collected. There isn't a national database where the drugs and dosages information exists. And you know it exists in most developing countries like Scandinavia, the US, Australia. Many countries collect this information without that central national information. We cannot monitor the effects of these drugs, the dosages. So we need to be able to monitor and be able to say to women, these are safe, these are not safe. Mm. And to be, in order to do that, we need that central database nationally. That's one angle of the campaign. The second angle is this. We don't have a linkage between our national IVF registry, which is our Human Fertilization Embryology Authority mm. database, and the NHS registry, which means the hospital registry or death registry or birth registry at the moment. And by the way, this exists in many other countries. That is why they are producing a lot of research about the effects of IVF on women and children and all that. So without that, we actually don't know exactly how many women are getting admitted, either with ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome or other complications, or a few years down the line, um, and exactly, and also we want that for children, so that there's a direct linkage because of yeah. confidentiality at the moment. There isn't that linkage, so that's something that we are campaigning for. All of this is about protecting women's health in the short and the long term. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense to us. I think. Um, Thank you, and I hope you back that. Yes, absolutely. How how can our listeners get involved? Yeah, Uh, uh, you talked about the postcode lottery. There's a petition going at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And they should sign the petition for um, post for uh, for equal and fair access to IVF funding. And here also there is a petition. So uh, I can give you information later. And so and and they can write. I'll tell you what or it's a better way of doing it. Your listeners can write to their MP, the local MP, to say, please back the parliamentary bill for welfare of women in IVF. And if they can drop a line to their MP, it would be brilliant. Oh, fabulous. Well, we'll put some information on our website about how to do that. Thank you. And I'm sure everyone will get on it because it makes absolute sense. Yeah, and it's important stuff. Our listeners are 
very motivated to do we this. We are stuff. activists. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I like to hear that. And I think it would be great if we really backed the welfare of women in IVF. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Well, Gita, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you both very much. Now it's time for Old Wives Tales Fact or Fiction. Ooh, yeah. Um, so Gabs spoke mm. to Professor Jim Child, medical director of Oxford Fertility. That's yeah. the first time I've ever said that. Um, about sperm friendly lube. Yeah. I suppose this is less of an old wives tale, more something we probably all buy on the internet in the small wee hours. Yeah, I'm, I can remember the, when I bought it. Shall I tell you the story? Yes, please. It was three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I had had a negative pregnancy test. I was pissed off. I went on some forums. All the people on the forums promised me that if I used a brand called Preseed, I definitely would get pregnant. Oh, 100%. And that happened, didn't it, Emma? No. Oh, wait, yeah. No, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's the science behind it? Um, I think it... The the lube, because obviously regular lube is a spermicide, so mm-hmm. you can't use that when you're TTC. And um, so sperm-friendly lube is not only um, is not going to kill the sperm, it's also full of like nutrients for them. I think yeah. things like calcium and magnesium. Broccoli. Yeah, loads of broccoli. Kale. Yeah, kale. Uh, just gives them that little boosteroo that they need <laughs> as they are making their way from your lady bits up to your other lady bits. Cool. Um, and Professor Tim, I'm guessing he was really like enthusiastic about it and told you that it's definitely going to get everyone pregnant. And yeah, that yeah, I'm it's an really anomaly. good. It really made me feel feel good about having bought um, Conceive Plus uh, a mere <laughs> couple of weeks earlier before we'd had this conversation. Um, but yeah, I bought it the minute I heard about it because obviously we have um, male factor yeah. as part of our diagnosis. So I was like, if I can help those sperms, I will. Yeah. God, at least you had that. I just, I don't know. I just thought it was magic. Yeah. Basically. Well, it, it ain't worked for me either, has okay. it? So anyway. So far, mate. Keep going. I will. I'm not throwing <laughs> it out. Anyway, here's what <laughs> Professor Tim had to say. So the only reason why it could improve the chance of conception would be if not having lubricant is affecting the, the, the frequency of intercourse. Um, if Clearly, having sperm unfriendly lubricant obviously would reduce the chance of conception, but presuming people are careful about that and are just choosing sperm friendly lubricant, then it's not going to improve the chance of conception because during intercourse, the the sperm is deposited up near the cervix anyway, and will uh, there'll be you know hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of thousands of sperm will be straight through the through the cervix into the uterus, regardless of whether there's lubricant there or not but as I said the if a, if a couple are not having intercourse because of vaginal dryness and um, using a sperm friendly lubricant helps enjoyment and frequency of intercourse then obviously that would help. Right so um, well I guess we heard that if someone has problems with sperm motility for example that the lube has nutrients in it that could help with that is is that not the case? No, I don't think that really works because the sperm is, uh, you know, the sperm is contained within the, the ejaculate fluid, which has all sorts of different nutrients in there anyway for the sperm. So it's not as though the the, the sperm is going to be hanging around um, you know, using nutrients from the the lubricant gels. I don't think that would make any difference. Right. Thank you. Okay. Well. Oh well. Um, I'll keep using mine anyway. <laughs> but thanks, Professor Tim. <laughs> That, wasn't it <laughs> so dreary feel so silly now for having bought it um anyway guys uh that's the end of today's episode please have an excellent week have an excellent a week. fruitful week indeed fruits of the womb <laughs> bye <laughs>
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.